Hello everyone and welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast where we're living for preventative mental health, love and compassion. I'm really glad for your company. I'm Caroline Heim and today we are continuing our series taken directly from the monthly live Q&As that Dr. Heim does on the iHealth Radio channel in New York with the wonderful host Hurricane H. In this episode, a caller has a hard time keeping a relationship together for more than a few months and feels like they're having very shallow relationships. Now, somehow Dr. Heim gets talking about the place of lust in shallow relationships, and then explains the lust attraction attachment pathway and the role of novelty in long-term relationships. And in the second half, he talks about trust, trust issues, feeling like everyone is taking advantage of you. He explains how we read each other by facial expressions and how some of us get a dent in our trust. He finishes off talking about forgiveness. Take a deep breath. Here we go. So the first one I have, are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. So my relationship are very shallow. I want to settle down, but I can't uh, stand commitments. Even if I like someone and they are a great partner, I somehow leave them after a couple of months. Why is that, Alex? Okay. (laughs) Alex, thank you for your question. Right. (laughs) But... Yeah, Hurricane, uh, I would have to get to know a lot about Alex uh, to find mm-hmm. out what it is that that makes him just a bit dubious about uh, committing. But the thing about commitment is the finality of it. Actually sort of thinking, my gosh, I could actually make a mistake here. And the truth is, you could. But if it's a mistake or if it's a success, that's actually more in your hands than you realize. And the thing is that once you make the, uh, the decision to commit, then you go all in. Then you say, okay, now I've got to actually make this work. And Hurricane, you were just talking about your relationship, how there's a few bumps along the way, how you find out things about your partner that you didn't know beforehand. And you know what? Those hurt. Those things can get really frustrating. But here's the thing. If you're together and if you're committed, it becomes that give and take of growing together and this is the big secret hurricane it's actually growing together that brings us together in love love actually grows and i'm going to sound a bit sappy here but love is like a garden you've actually got to plant the seeds you've got to water them you've got to put a bit of work into it and then your garden gets to be beautiful so one of the reasons that alex may be afraid to commit is because you say this garden and no other garden. And yeah, you've got to be very careful with that choice. But once you make the choice, then you get to work on your garden. You get to plant what you work in your garden and it becomes your garden together with your partner. And all of that lies ahead of you. And it's beautiful after you commit. Because if you try to tend other gardens, you will actually find that your garden doesn't do as well. So, Alex, see somebody if you need to, but find out what it is in you that's afraid to commit and then find some way of actually committing and then get to work on your garden so it becomes as beautiful as you possibly can. Thanks for the question, Hurricane. Well, no, thank you. And I just wanted to, to just ask something in addition to within the same yeah, context. Yeah. 
Now, I know you said that you would need to know more about Alex, and I think a lot of people probably watching, uh, you know, they all, I mean, everybody has relationships one way or the other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, there are a lot of things that do determine, you know, how people feel, you know, for each other and so on and so forth. Sometimes yeah. it's insecurities, sometimes it's just that you're, yeah. you think you have a match, but it's not a match, um, you know, and, but I think the word that he used is, uh, or, she used, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't specifically say here, but uh, shallow, uh, you know, the relationship is very shallow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, what, how, I mean, how do we define shallow? I mean, just psychologically speaking, I mean, maybe it's a wrong word. I don't know. I mean, is that, there's something? No, 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 actually, actually that's, that's good hurricane because now I can get into the science of love and relationships, mm -hmm. right? And uh, the best that science has come up with at the moment is that we all follow a certain pathway into relationships. And the pathway is we start off with lust, and then we start off with attraction, and then we start off with attachment. So lust is driven by our sex hormones. You see a gorgeous body, you say, I want that body. And then you see one particular person, you say, I want that particular person. But here's the thing, it's being attracted to one particular person that starts nature on its journey of, okay, is this the match that I want for children? And if you find yourself attracted to one particular person, then other brain chemicals come in. It's dopamine and it's serotonin and it's the pleasure and the comfort that you start to feel with one person that leads you into a relationship where you think, you know what, I could commit to that person. And when you get that feeling of this is the one, then science tell us that that's actually driven by different brain chemicals. That gets driven by the love through oxytocin and the sense of togetherness with one person, which is more beta endorphins. And yes, there's a lot of serotonin and that great feeling of going, you know what, I'm at home with this person. That's mediated by serotonin. Here's a catch, uh, Hurricane. It's feeling that lust with other people because you're going to feel it because it's driven by our biology, thinking, you know what, I just want that short-term pleasure with somebody else. And so here's where that word shallow comes in. When you're in a relationship just for the short-term pleasure, just for the physicality of it, just the sex, just the romance, and you don't want to go deeper, that's what we call shallow. That's sort of keeping it on science stage one, keeping it just lustful. But things actually get deeper. The lust doesn't go away, all right? You just get deeper when you get attached to somebody and when you're attracted to somebody. In fact, we're doing research on people who have been together more than 40 years and with a twinkle in their eye, they say to us, oh, yeah, the, the spark is still there, all right? It's still there. So your smile tells me, Hurricane, that the spark's still there after your 20 years. My smile oh, tells you that my spark is still there after 30 years. So this idea that we give up the spark is actually not what science is showing. The science is showing that it actually gets deeper if you can get into a deeper relationship. Thank you, doctor. And by the way, I mean, uh, it's funny, you mentioned spark and, and you know, one way is to really keep that spark going is doing things like, again, I mentioned going on a, on a cruise for the, the week. Now, I yeah. mean, 
I don't particularly celebrate, you know, the Valentine's concept, but but the idea is, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, there's this big debate about love shouldn't be just in a day. I mean, love is continuous, right? You know, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you, you don't know someone just one day and just bring them a bouquet of, you know, flowers and then you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is that that we biologically respond to novelty, right? So, um, and people think that novelty has to be, oh, I'm going to have sex with a different person. But novelty is when you are with a person that you are deeply involved with, to go to a place that you've never been to before, to a hotel that you've never been to before, or to buy a bouquet of flowers that you've never bought before, that is novelty that keeps the spark going. So you actually get this two-graded thing. You've got the depth of your understanding, plus you've got this, the, the lust spark of your body's reacting. And if you can get those two together, you've got a winning combination for your brain and for your body, I might say. <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 there's good benefits and bonuses, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's benefits and bonuses. Well, you know, because, it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Like. No, no, I, ju I just wanted to say because the ultimate feeling of love is after you have satisfied the physical side of love, that you feel more in love and you want to stay with that person because you feel closer to them rather than an empty feeling of, hey, I just don't know this person. Uh, where am I at the moment? I better get out of here, right? So if you've been in a relationship for 20 years, you actually get that feeling of, my gosh, every time we do this, we just get closer. And that is the love ideal. And science tells us that we can actually have that. Well, doctor, you know, it's funny because um, on, on the ship and, and again, uh, it's weird, but but 90% of the ship was folks that were, you know, 55, maybe to, to 75 or more or more. So, yep. and, and and there were plenty of couples. I mean, they all, I mean, obviously it's Valentine's week, so everybody is a couple there. And, yep. and, and, and the relationship, they were still having, to your point, the spark, they were hanging out, they were doing all the good stuff. It was just a fun experience to see them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so one of the reasons that it's, it tends to be more uh, people who are over 55 is firstly, they can afford to go on cruises, right? Okay. Uh, and secondly, they are looking for the novelty of a cruise for a different country or a different restaurant just to add that to the spark of romance. Uh, but the thing is, and this is a big secret, people in those age brackets are actually having a wonderful, wonderful love life with everything that goes with it. And unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of society that's kind of telling us that you've got to have a lot of people, uh, uh, relationships with different people, and it's actually not what the science is showing. The science is actually showing that you can have that spark with the one person that you're with. Uh, well, so, so doctor, thank you. I mean, like I said, I mean, this whole topic is, is inter intriguing and, and I think everybody experiences love one way or the other and uh, yes. relationships is a big deal. And, yes. uh, you know, we can make it work. It can be better, you know, and you're giving some good tips for people to actually at least understand how it works, what we should do and what we should possibly do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the catch in a good relationship, Hurricane, is that it takes effort. There are going to be times of conflict. There's going to be times when you've got to get through a hard time. There's times when you do not understand that person that you're with. And 
that's just work. But the payoff is you actually grow closer to that person through every argument, through every hardship, through every trying to understand what that person is on about. When you actually get that understanding, the payoff is, oh my gosh, I'm actually closer to this person than I was before. That is love. That is love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Folks, by the way, again, we are live. You can please dial in 732-332-8493. And you have the one, the only Dr. Heim, you know, dedicated hour for you. So, hey, it's a good time to ask questions. I do have a lot more on on, on the email feed than I guess people prefer maybe to, to send an email or says call in, but but hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. So so next question, Doc. Uh, I have trust issues and feel that everyone is out to take advantage of me. Uh, even when people are nice, I can't seem to shake that feeling. Joanna. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, so, so Joanna, thank you for your question. And this is a big problem in today's society because one of the things that has happened is we are actually less connected with each other as people. And as you know, Hurricane, this is something that I say often, that if we don't have that connection with people, then we actually start to feel low. And so I'm going to talk about the brain chemical that mediates trust. And the brain chemical that mediates trust is actually oxytocin. And we've been studying oxytocin for over 20 years now. And we find out that birthing suites are full of oxytocin. Mother's love for babies is mediated through oxytocin. A love between two love partners is mediated through oxytocin. But the research also shows that trust, even a business transaction, is mediated by oxytocin. And here's the thing about, about trust. It takes trust. The opposite of trust is distrust. And when we're not close to people, we start to look at each other distrust. Okay, so let's go to the coronavirus crisis that we're in at the moment, where we're all wearing masks and we're not able to read the whole of our faces of each other as we used to. That actually breeds distrust because our brains does not get all the information about the other person that it's used to getting. And the other thing is that the media that we use at the moment means less in the flesh interactions, less live interactions with another person. And so our brains, our anterior cingulate gyrus, that's used to reading all of the clues of how somebody is reacting, their facial expressions, the tone of their voice, does it in conjunction with a piece of the brain called the insular cortex. It is not getting all the information. It's not getting um, uh, exercise. And so it actually starts to become lazy, which means that if there's less trust, we actually breed less trust against us. And so we're in this vicious circle so that people like Joanna get that feeling that everybody is just in it to take advantage of her. And the trouble is with superficial relationships, often she's right. So the thing is to have trust with somebody, you need to become a trusting person yourself. So in other words, you've got to be able to show your vulnerability. But in today's world, you do need to be able to to protect yourself as well. But you protect yourself honestly, basically by saying, I would like to be able to trust people more. But you know what, I've got I've become a bit dubious. I think that there are people that are just out there to hurt other people. 
And that way you'll start to attract other people that are looking for the same thing. Because Joanna, there are a lot of people who feel like you do and they want to find somebody who is trusting. That can get hard. <laughs> thank, thank you, Doc. But well, you know, it's funny because uh, trust, we all, we all face trust. We all have to trust somebody, right? Yes, we do. And, and in our relationship in general, I'm talking not just in marital or, or personal relationship, I'm talking work and family and so yes. on. And, yes. and I, think, I think some of the factors that may impact that is uh, maybe childhood experience, bad experiences in the past, you know, yes. somebody that, that hurt you somehow, uh, you know, you've trusted them and then they, they failed and betrayed you and all those things. I mean, I had the show about betrayal and uh, divorce and stuff. And I think we talked about divorce in a couple uh, episodes back. And it, it is crazy. And, and it happens that people are kind of just they, they, they have a turn off anymore. They can't even believe in other people. Yeah. So and, and you, you lose that and then you lose really a taste of life. Yes, you do. Yes. In fact, there was a psychiatrist by the name of Eric Erickson that basically said, look, as we go through life, we've got to go through developmental stages. There are these efforts that we need to put in to get over some of the developmental tasks until we become a fully fledged, psychologically living, breathing, thinking, feeling human being. It's very interesting because the very first one that he said that we have to go through is called basic trust. And imagine that you're a, you're a child, you're six months, you're, uh, you're totally dependent on a mother or a mother figure to feed you, to be able to clothe you, to take care of all of your basic needs. And if you had a mother that was able to do that, then you will develop basic trust. But what psychiatrists all around the world know is that experiences early in life they really leave their mark. And so there are a lot of people that didn't get that basic trust early in life, or some people were hurt later in their childhood, and it just put a dent in their trust. And this is why people like myself work with people who have had childhood traumas so that they can have trust in human beings again. Sometimes you have to start off by trusting one person then you go to two and then little by little you trust more and more people until your faith in humankind can be restored and you can trust somebody enough to have a personal relationship where you let them really close to you but it's a big problem uh hurricane and childhood trauma has a lot to answer for but we all have to learn basic trust well i mean we do live in in a world that is uh little crazy you know <laughs> and I, I you know it's funny we always I use the word crazy a lot but but you know that's my generic term for for chaos Finally. <laughs> but but really I mean it, this the society we live in I mean there's so many potentials where you can easily be manipulated used abused I mean not not so much just when you're a child even at an older age doesn't matter yes even yes. in business relationship you get betrayed and and and, and then you just become cautious you know on any level you know yes that's right that's right so what's what's really difficult in this is society's values uh because uh what the science shows is that we all actually have a choice between being very selfish or 
selfless, where we're able to live for other people. And through our experiences, shape our choices, but we can actually choose to be a selfless person who will help other people or to be a selfish person who will just use and abuse other people. Uh, that's what the science shows. And the thing is that for us to make that choice, our society has to value it. Now, we actually know that we, society does value selfless people because we give medals to people who have been altruistic, to people who have risked their lives to save other people. We don't give medals to people who have scammed other people uh, for their own personal gain. In fact, we've got laws and they could find themselves in jail. So the basic tenets of society is that we have a culture which values selflessness so that we can trust each other and get on with this life and enjoy it. But we're starting to see little cracks in that. And obviously, I would encourage people to make the choice to be a trustworthy person. But I cannot guarantee that you are going to meet trustworthy people in your road throughout life. But if you're one yourself, the chances are that you will start attracting trustworthy people around you. Well, people, I mean, we have, we have choices, right? I mean, we, we do have to select our, I guess, crowds and people that we, we interact with. And we can test them out. If we don't feel that there is enough, you can test people with little things, right? A, a yes. little secret to give them, even it could be a gimmick, and just to see whether that that's going to come back in the wrong way or maybe get diffused somewhere else. And then there, there you go. Uh, if you're talking yeah. money, you can try, you know, you lend a little bit of money to someone and, uh, in, and see how they behave before you get into yes. a transaction. I mean, there's ways you can maneuver that, but I mean, again, uh, it's, we have to, to deal with it, right? We have to make it work and you got to overcome some of this and, and, and still live your life because otherwise, you know, you can't live in society solo. I mean, it doesn't work. So you right. gotta eventually let go with that. Just like every other fear, right? You have to face it. You have to to kind of figure out a way. And you've given you know some nice you know ways of understanding how to to work around it. But that's it. I mean, everybody can you know get over this somehow, sometime. But it's yes. not easy, and it, they'll have to commit to 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 the feeling and be aware that it can happen. But they'll have to be also prepared to deal with it when it happens. If they can avoid it, great. If not, you know, they'll just have to cancel those people from their lives <laughs> ASAP. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about friendships rather than um, love relationships. Uh, because we all go a bit gaga when we talk about love relationships because it evokes deeper feelings. But it's actually the same process in getting to know a friend. The way that you get to know a friend is firstly, you look for common interests, things that you like together. But then let's say you're with a group of people and you have one person who's becoming more of a friend. So as I said to Hurricane, you trust them with information about you, okay? If they betray that trust by just broadcasting your weaknesses in front of a whole lot of other people, then you are going to not trust them in the future. So that friendship is not going to continue unless you're able to repair it. Hey, I thought I told you something that was in secret. I trusted you and you betrayed me. What was that all about? And I would encourage people to repair friendships when they can. But the feeling is so good when you trust somebody with information and they're trustworthy. And what 
ideally happens then is they trust you with information about them. And that's when you start making a friend. So it's not just the common interests, uh, which leads people to what we call shallow relationships, which is something that we are talking about earlier on. But you go a bit deeper. You expose your vulnerability. You let people know that you're not perfect, that you're actually weak in some things. And they let you know the same thing. And you go, yeah, me too. So you start building up trust. And by being trustworthy, you actually make friends. So if you're actually able to make friends and repair friendships with more and more people, you will have more and more friends. And that's difficult, but that's basically the process, Hurricane. Well, listen, Doctor, I mean, I, I, it's important to, to, to highlight that because people need to realize that they, they have that ability. They can do it. And there are measures. And I think, I think we've covered enough. And it's funny because I, um, I saw a, a little uh, a meme, or I think it was a, a meme on, uh, on, on Facebook, and it showed like uh, different, like uh, wine glasses, right? And, yep. and it says, trust is just like a wine glass or a glass. Uh, if it shatters, it can never be the same. And so they glued it back and the picture shows a, a, a very good glass shape. Everything is, you know, brand new glass, you know, piece, and then it's broken and it's, you know, taped together. And then now you can see it, it's really shattered and just glued together. But that's that's the the analogy that they gave. But you know, it's it's pretty powerful because when you you know that you broke that that trust factor, it's it's never going to be the same. You're always going to be. It's like when you get stung by a bee or by anything. You're going to be careful next time not to get close to the hive, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. So once bitten, twice shy, right? That's so, right. Uh, but what what you were describing there, uh, hurricane in a wine glass being shattered and then put back together again. There's a beautiful Japanese art by the name of Kentsugi. And what they do is they get vases and they break them and put them together with gold inlay. And you end up with this new vase that looks like it's been shattered, but it actually becomes more beautiful when it's been put together with gold inlay because the analogy is even though sometimes our trust is shattered, if you can learn to trust again and bring yourself back together, the final result is actually sweeter, more beautiful than in the first place. So in other words, even though a lot of us have had traumatic experiences, when you work through those experiences and put yourself together again, often with a therapist, you end up with a life result that is more beautiful because the pain has brought you to deeper realizations. And that's part of, let's say, a relationship that is deeper or a life that is led deeply rather than a shallow life, which looks only on the surface. So it's a beautiful art form. So thank you for the analogy of the, of the broken glasses. Okay, so I'm going to give you a real life example. Uh, there's a Dutch novelist by the name of Corey Tan Boon, and she actually met the Nazi guard responsible for exterminating her sister. This is a very confronting situation. And in an agonizing few minutes inside her head, she went through a process of forgiveness. So she was able to connect with somebody who used to be 
a Nazi officer and connect with that person in a very human way, knowing that she was broken, her sister was dead, and that he was a broken person to connect as human beings trying to get through this really crazy thing that we call life because we all make mistakes. Wow. I find that incredible. Yeah, that sort of stuff it, is incredible. It is. It is. I mean, wow. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, unbelievable. But yeah. Well, Doc, first of all, thank you. I mean, like I said, I'm always just absorbing all your, your wisdom here because it's pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> and I hope oh. that our friends watch in and, and, and listening and they just get in all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're into a we're into a very difficult part of human nature, right? Um, the violence that happens, the atrocities, and what do you do with all of that energy? I mean, we're just at a time when uh, war is raging in another continent, okay? And so there's going to be a lot of hurt, and. The question is, how do we move forward from that? I know we want to try to prevent that and we haven't done a good job at that. I'm going to take uh, another example that came from a shooting that happened in New Zealand where a um, white supremacist uh, sh uh, started shooting at a, at a mosque and yes, killed dozens and dozens of people. One of the people that he killed was a woman in her 60s who was in a wheelchair. And when her husband was interviewed, all that he said was, I want to let you know that I'm here to forgive the gunman. And the gunman had just taken away what was the most precious person in his life. And he offers forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is not easy. I am sure that that man still feels grief, anger, and loss. But deciding to forgive means that his journey of getting back onto some normality for his life and regaining his faith in human nature is a lot further along than if he had kept resentment, anger, and bitterness. Because as Martin Luther Jr. said, Martin Luther King, sorry, said, um, you cannot overcome hate with hate. You can only overcome hate with love. Yep. Hmm, that concept that we have a dent in our trust. It's so true. Actually, I thought that this explanation that Dr. Heim gave was so insightful that I've decided to pop up a few Instagram posts on coping with a dent in your trust. So you can look them up on Instagram at Dr. Christian Heim. So that's D-R Christian Heim, H-E-I-M. If you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word and recommend them to others. Until we see you next time.